You know, we don't have the Christmas story without Bethlehem. The classic carol, old, old little town of Bethlehem. And, and I love the imagery. A little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Think of the, your, your mental images there as you hear these words. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the, the silent stars go by. Out here in the county, away from the city, when it's a cold December night and in those fields look cold and hard and barren and we're able to look up and we're able to see those, those cold stars twinkle. Yet in the, thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Still, silent, dark. Those words in that carol. But yet, on a certain night, hopes and fears of all the years, centuries of challenge and centuries of of heartbreak are mingled with a reminder of hope. There comes one who will be the embodiment of heaven coming to earth. God Himself will again dwell among man. This was always God's plan, where the unassuming meets the miraculous. Eight centuries before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Micah brings a message to God's people. And it's a message of judgment as well as a message of hope. Israel has strayed from God again in the same manner in which we desire to go our own way, we stray from God again. And Micah says the following in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will come forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Bethlehem Ephrathah. The first part of that word Bethlehem, the first syllable, Beth, means place or means house in Hebrew. That's the original language. And Lachem, the second part of that word, means bread. Bethlehem, place of bread or house of bread. And we're going to come back to that. But there's another word. We've all heard of Bethlehem, but this, this, this next word, it, it's strange. Ephrathah. What, what in the world is that and why does it matter? Well, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to, to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35, first book in the Bible. And it's the, it's, it refers to Jacob. Some of you may remember Jacob. Jacob was a character. He, he was sly, he was conniving, he was a trickster. He swindled, well, with the help of his mother, he swindled his older brother out of his birthright. And that should tell you all you need to know about Jacob. <laughs> but God is both a God of purpose and a God of second chances. Jacob turned to the Lord eventually 
And Jacob's story is ultimately one of redemption for God's people. Genesis 35 verse 9, we read that God appeared to Jacob and God blessed Jacob. God said, your name is Jacob, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. And so God called Jacob Israel. And God also said, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful, remember that, be fruitful. A nation and a multitude of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from you. And the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, that's Jacob's grandfather and father, respectively, God says, all that land I will give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. So so Jacob set up a memorial stone in the place where God had spoken with him, and and he poured... Jacob pours out a drink offering on this stone, and he pours oil on it. And Jacob names the place where God had spoken with him, had met with him, Beth-el, house. El, meaning God. You remember last time, Emmanuel, with us is God. That last syllable of that word, E-L, El, is God. So, house of God, Beth-el, or as we say, Bethel. Jacob names this place Bethel. And then Jacob and his family, they journey on from Bethel, but when there is still some distance to go to this small town named Ephrath, Jacob's wife Rachel begins to give birth, and she suffers severe difficulties in her labor. She's suffering, and her midwife says to Rachel, Do not fear, for you have another son. And we read that it comes about as her soul is departing before she, because she, she dies. Rachel dies. She names the newborn Ben-Oni, but Israel, his father, calls him Benjamin. Rachel dies and is buried on the way to this small town named Ephrath. And you can see parenthetically there in your, in your scriptures that it says that is Bethlehem. Ephrath. It's a name and a term which can mean fruitfulness. It's an old name for Bethlehem. And Jacob has been given a new name, Israel. And Israel is told by the Lord to be fruitful. A nation and a multitude of nations shall come. Kings shall come from Jacob, from Israel. Fruitfulness. There's tragedy. Rachel, Jacob's, Israel's beloved, dies in childbirth. She is buried along the way to Ephrath, to Bethlehem. She's buried, but there is a newborn. There's heartbreak mingled with hope. And Micah would say years later that out of this house of bread, this area of fruitfulness, one will come forth to rule. And this one who will come forth to be ruler, and as you see there in Micah, 
one from Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. Those who first heard Micah share this. The Lord gives His message to the prophet Micah. And Micah shares it. And those first hearers of what Micah said probably said, Whoa, this sounds familiar. Haven't we already seen a king from Bethlehem? Well, they have. Bethlehem is the hometown of Israel's most famous earthly king. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. As you're turning, King Saul was the first earthly king of Israel. His, his kingship was, to put it mildly, a disaster. The Lord has rejected Saul. And the Lord then tells his prophet Samuel the next step. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, we, we read the following. The Lord says, I will send you, Samuel, to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Now that's a mouthful to say. Jesse is from Bethlehem. Because I have chosen a king for myself from among his sons. A man named Jesse from an insignificant backwater town named Bethlehem. When the unassuming meets the miraculous. The Lord would tell Samuel, You shall anoint for me the one whom I designate for you. So Samuel did what the Lord told him, and he came to Bethlehem. And then the elders of the city, they, they come trembling to meet Samuel. They ask him, Do you come in peace? Why? Samuel is a prophet. He's a mouthpiece for the Lord. What's the Lord doing? What's the Lord saying? And Samuel tells them, he says, I come in peace. I, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. Make yourselves ready. Purify yourselves. And come with me to the sacrifice. And then we read that Samuel also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And they enter, and Samuel looks at the first of Jesse's sons. Eliab is the young man's name. And he, and he thinks to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is standing before him. Eliab must have been an impressive young man. But the Lord says to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. Whoa. For God does not see as man sees. God does not see as man sees, since man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, then Jesse calls the next son Abinadab and has him pass before Samuel. And Samuel says, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And then the next son is, passes by, the next son, Shema. Samuel says, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse has seven of his sons, Pass before Samuel. Seven. Samuel says to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel asks Jesse a question. Are these all the boys? Jesse says, The youngest is still left, but, but, but he's out tending the sheep. Evidently so insignificant that even Father Jesse didn't even bother bringing him in from the field. 
a prophet has come, but yeah, yeah, you're going to stay here. So Sam, Samuel says to Jesse, send word and bring him, for we will not take our places at the table until he comes here. Don't dawdle. Bring him quickly. Jesse sends word and brings him in. And David, David, he, he's ruddy or reddish, beautiful eyes, handsome appearance. And the Lord says, arise, anoint him, Samuel, for this is he. This is he. When the unassuming meets the miraculous, an insignificant youth from an insignificant backwater town named Bethlehem. Bethlehem meaning house of bread, Ephrathah, fruitfulness. Micah tells us that one will come forth to have dominion. We've just seen Jesse's youngest son, David, from Bethlehem. David, one thought to be too insignificant to even be invited in, like Bethlehem. (laughs) Small, insignificant. One will come from an area little. Too little to, to be of any count. But look at what Micah says. The one who will come forth to be ruler in Israel, his times of coming forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Well, how can this refer to King David? By the time of Micah's prophecy... King David, he's already ruled, he's already reigned, he's already died, he's already been buried. What is Micah saying? Well, in verse 3, Micah says, Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remainder of his kinsmen will return to the sons of Israel. Because of their continual sin, the the nations of Israel and Judah would be given up, would be in exile and in judgment, until she who is in labor has given birth, given birth to one who will be the means for the return of the nations back to God. She who is in labor will give birth, will bear fruit to one who will not only provide the way back, but will himself be the provision. Let me say that one more time. She who is in labor will give birth. She will bear fruit to one who will not only provide the way back, but will himself be the provision. Micah tells us in verse 4 that he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will arise in the, in the majesty of the name under the authority and the dominion of the heavenly king, and his people will remain. They will dwell securely. He will be great to the ends of the earth. Micah tells us in verse 5, This one will be our peace. This one will be our completeness. And at the end of the day, isn't that really what we're all looking for? 
completeness. Where we can find rest and we can find peace. It's always been our goal to find peace and fulfillment. And our nature has always been and will always be to try to find utmost satisfaction in ourselves, in our interests, in our things. But Micah says that this one will be our peace. Our provision. Our portion. Jesus would bring us into peace with God by going to the cross. He would be broken for us. His blood would be shed for us. When we share in the Lord's Supper as a church, and we will do so again on Christmas Eve, we remember Jesus and the disciples at the Last Supper. There is bread broken. There is a cup symbolizing fruit of the vine. His body, the bread. His his blood, the wine. Bread and fruit. Bethlehem Ephrathah. What does the song say? How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven in this unassuming, insignificant town, really too small to be of any count. Christ Jesus, our provision is born of Mary. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin where meek souls will receive Him, still. The dear Christ will enter in. When the unassuming meets the miraculous, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin, because Sin is real and it's alive and we deal with it continually. Enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels. We hear the great glad tidings they tell. Oh, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. His body, the bread. His blood, the wine, our provision for salvation, the bread and fruit, Bethlehem Ephrathah. One has come forth for us to dwell with us. With us is God, Emmanuel. Why does this matter? If all of this lines up and fits together as we see that it does, if we believe that it does, if we can believe all of this, you know what? We can believe all the other claims that the Scripture makes. That we can have our sin forgiven by the One who came to bring life and hope and joy 
and peace.